So then you're going to do the, the Q, this uh, vitamin C stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. And then the other ones will kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's the Practical Medicine Podcast <laughs> with Dr. Rob Balco and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki. It <laughs> is the goal of this podcast is to bring awareness about the many different ways to maintain health and heal your body, mind, and spirit from acupuncture to Zen living and everything in between. And today we're going to do a Q&A and miscellaneous things. So some of these questions are from lingering from previous episodes uh, that either we wanted to research a little more to give the right answer or we didn't have the answer right in front of us. Um, and we also have a special announcement. Do you want to give the announcement? Which announcement is that? <laughs> There's a $9.99 off sale. (laughs) Yes, $9.99 off. Um, That we're switching (laughs) from every other week to every week moving forward. Um, And doing things in shorter chunks, so a little bit more digestible, because there are still some topics that may go a little bit longer, but we're going to kind of break them down then into two different episodes so that people can digest that a little bit better. We just thought that was a better format. A little bit shorter, but more often. Yes. So the first question that we had was from our loyal follower, Daryl, and she had asked if there was a difference between liposomal vitamin C and regular vitamin C. And I usually just have patients do emergency, which is like a powder that they can add to a drink. Um, I tell them to take that with them when they're traveling. So I didn't really know a lot about it. And the research that I found is fairly new. So in one study by, and I'm not even going to be able to say the second name, it was like Gopi and Balakrishnan in 2020. It showed that liposomal vitamin C was shown to be absorbed at 1.77 times greater than non-liposomal vitamin C, um, but still less so than if someone is getting intravenous vitamin C. Um, and then in a uh, study in 2016 by Davis et al. compared encapsulated versus non-encapsulated, and they found similar results. Um, and oddly, they referenced a prior study where only two participants were compared. And to me, that's so limiting. That to me, if you have two participants, it's a case study. It's not even like a study study at that point, um, which is one of those things that we talk about a lot in when we're researching things and you look to see, you know, if, if the conclusion says X, Y, Z, how many participants? If there's only 10 participants, then maybe you want to see 100 participants and look to different types of studies. Um, And I compared the supplier that I use for my patients, and 1,000 milligrams of liposomal C runs about $46, and non-liposomal C runs about 20 to 30. So if, you know, someone who doesn't have strong digestion, given that the studies are showing that the liposomal is better absorbed, I would say go with the 
liposomal C, even though the cost mm -hmm. is more because you're going to be absorbing more and you're not going to have to take as much as if you did if you were taking the non-liposomal. Um, and, you know, I, I always was something like that where it's not like, you're not talking about insulin where it's a matter of like, hey, mm -hmm. don't play, you don't want to play around with insulin. Yeah. You could play around with each type of vitamin C and right. then decide which you feel more comfortable with, which one doesn't upset digestion. Like I'm one of those people that if I take too much C, it mm -hmm. doesn't do well with my digestion. Sure. So, um, and I'm, you know, I'm always curious to see where that research will go in the next few years. Like, will it be something else? Um, but it does look like from the studies that I saw, um, and for people who don't know, vitamin C is considered water soluble and it has antioxidant properties. So being water soluble it can make it harder to cross like barriers that are in the body that are considered hydrophobic or afraid mm -hmm. of water mm -hmm. um, not water loving so encapsulating the sea with a lipophilic so fat liking capsule can allow the sea to be absorbed in greater amounts for those fat loving cells so um, certainly a conversation for you know people to have with their practitioner which one they think um, is better for them and then um, when we did the winter episode, which I believe was our mm -hmm. last one, we had a question about how do you prepare for the winter water time of year if you are a, a fire sign? Um, so I don't um, study like the Zodiac that well. I mean, I'm fascinated by mm -hmm. it. I love it. I love looking at the different aspects of five elements, but I didn't go to a five element school. So a colleague of ours, John Golden, who is a licensed acupuncturist in Sacramento, he studied five elements and he said that he described fire as being all about connecting and that in the resting time of, of water or winter, mm. it's good to think about how one can look to within to connect with oneself and that connecting with one's own authentic desires so that um, when it shifts to a more active time, say in the spring and summer, that fire that that person has can be expressed more and, and it comes out and it allows that connection with other people. Right. So right. I thought that that was a nice, interesting way of explaining yeah. it. And to bring it back to the winter aspect in terms of Chinese medicine and five element, I would say uh, look more at uh, fire as embers in the right. fire, right, as you're cultivating that connection. Right. Now, uh, in addition, Not the blazing fire, like right, a lower. That, that high summer blazing fire of the right. sun in the sky and things like that. But more of connecting uh, right. in, with family, right, yes. uh, at the hearth of the home and storing that energy, right. which is much more of a metal, I'm sorry, uh, winter water right. um, aspect, right? Yeah. Preparing Const for what's to come. It's like that. Concentrating and preparing. Right. Ending, getting ready to end that one cycle and move on to the mm -hmm. next so cycle. So that we can move into the spring cycle and right. bring that energy forth. And I think that that's kind of what then happens. Like if you don't take that time to sort of go inward and sort of recharge a little bit, then the wood element gets out of balance and that more of the emotional aspect of like frustration mm. and anger and the, mm -hmm. you know, not it sort of doesn't expand the way it, the way the wood element should when the spring starts. Right. And yeah. then that wood needs to be there to nourish the summer fire. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's still all connected and one generating into the next. 
Which brings us to the next question is if that's not done, it, uh, is, and I think um, a question came up for, for you specifically, is how do we control Stephanie's uh, wood energy to, <laughs> to keep her from dropping F-bombs? And how is it possible that for an entire hour we can have Stephanie not... Um, I, I'm what not quite uh, sure how we've made fire it. Fire forth. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know that because okay. So my zodiac is I'm. I'm an ox. So we're we'll be going into because mm -hmm. we're going to end the lunar yeah. in February. Yeah. This so is we'll your be, year coming it's, up. Yes, it's my year coming up. Um, I'm actually a water element. I'm a crab okay. in the in the regular zodiac. Okay. Um, the sun, I don't the, know the solar that, zodiac. Yeah, the solar zodiac. So I feel like. <laughs> the F-bombs, I don't know if that just comes from being in Jersey. Yeah, I think that's I think that's just, a, like, it's yeah. a Jersey thing. And, I mean, I drop them all the time in the treatment rooms. I think the only times I control it at my office are when pediatric patients uh, are there. Because yes. I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do that in front of little kids. <laughs> um, in fact, but a funny, like, a side story with that, my... Um, my sons told me that, like, as I assumed, I was the one who probably taught them that word. <laughs> they admitted that it was in the elementary school bathroom <laughs> that somebody, somebody um, wrote it on the bathroom wall. Oh wow! And that that's mm. where they got it from. Mm. So it wasn't wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I don't know how wow. I control it. I'm. I, I feel like we've made it pretty far without yeah, one yeah. slipping out. I think well. I dropped an S word once, maybe. Yeah. I think I might I have. I think you did, yeah. 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 Sorry, I was trying to pull up the questions that uh, followers might be posting. Ah. Uh, started our, our music there for a second. Yeah, let's see if there's any so, in the meantime. Um, Do we have any actual questions? Oh, God. A lot of highs. Hey, everybody. Oh, great. Yeah, I can't see them on my phone for some reason. <laughs> Rob's gonna just keep starting the music yeah. that I picked for the podcast until you until you drop enough until I drop enough. Yeah. Shut the no. Uh, we have one here. I don't know if you want to answer it. What's the difference between buffered and unbuffered vitamin C? Do you want to? That one I don't know either. Okay. So now <laughs> need, I have another question for the, for the next one. Yeah. So we'll write that down. So the <laughs> next time we do a Q and A, I can answer that question a little bit better. You know mm. what's funny is that so my bachelor's is in dietetics and everything in dietetics is not what I thought it was going to be. It was, everything was about counting calories, right. not so much about nutrition, not so much about wellness, not so much about, you know, their thing I think mostly was just take a good multivitamin. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> what's good? No. Centrum? Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, Centrum that if you dropped it in acid would still be a pill a week later, right, right. just not even break down. Um, so, and I will try and control the F-bombs, but I can't promise that one will never slip out. Um, we can do. there was a question that went back to the cosmetic acupuncture or skincare microneedling, and it was about, um, which specific ingredients to avoid in skincare, uh, in the SPF. So you want to avoid parabens, retinal palmitate. You want to avoid oxybenzone and octanoxate. 
Uh, you want to look for something that co that's going to protect against a combination of UVA and UVB, as in boy. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and I always say to look for one that at least has the seal of the American Cancer Society. Um, this is a joking conversation that goes on in my house all the time. Um, Andrew, a.k.a. Melodrama swears that you know coconut oil is the cure for everything he's like it's a sunblock and i'm like no it's if you want to be like a crispy critter right, go ahead you right, put right. all the coconut oil you want on you but that is not spf <laughs> um um do you want to talk about how sure. you um so one of the things that we do sometimes is we have to explain the good and bad in life to our patients and right. you were telling me that you use a scale so i made Dr. Rob bring his scale in to mm -hmm. show me how he explains to patients how you can balance certain things in your life. Right. So, what what uh, example should we use? Um, let's compare. Okay, so we're going to, uh, let's say it's somebody who goes out drinking, mm -hmm. heavy drinking, okay. um, but they exercise and they take supplements. Right. Good. Um, Perfect. Because that's what it really becomes all about is balance, right? Right. <clears throat> I tell so many of my patients, if you if you eat well and exercise 80% of the time, right? sure, Friday, Saturday night, go out and have a good time. But right. get up in the morning and get back to it, right? Have a, have a healthy meal and get out there and exercise and move that stuff back out of your body. Right. right. So you can be the blue and I'll be the red. Okay. We'll, we'll say that the red is bad. Okay. Right. So... Um, I had a couple drinks on Friday night. Okay. But what did I do to balance that? Uh, you took your supplements. Right. And drank some water, maybe. Right. Okay. Do you want to give water a whole nother one of these or no? But then um, yeah, I had a little more and I had a real big greasy steak. <laughs> okay. So we said this was supplements, mm -hmm. um, but you exercised Got three times early a week. And Right, went for a nice run the next day and exercised, right, lift some weights and stuff like that. But then it was Saturday afternoon and my friends came over <laughs> with, with, with some real bad food, right? Oh, my gosh. Um, you went and saw your acupuncturist. There you go. Look at, look at that. <laughs> so I have now tipped the scales in my favor. There you go. <clears throat> but then I really like meth. <laughs> meth? <laughs> like methamphetamines. Okay. Maybe Get out little, of my office. Maybe a little fentanyl. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I use this as, a lot as just a, an analogy to help people understand is it's all a balance, right? Is you can, right. you can overdo it both ways. Right. right. You know, you can not do anything to take care of yourself. Right. Right. And you're going to wind up like this. Right? Yes. And now you've got diabetes and high blood pressure, right? Right. But what can we do about that, right? You change can, your diet. You can change your diet, you know, um, right? And it's still like this is, you know, long-term abuse, okay. right? And through exercise and diet and, and then know, start to supplement, the supplementation and acupuncture, we can bring it back the other right. way. Yeah. So we were talking about before this that I have like all kinds of toys, mm -hmm. <laughs> and now you know I'm gonna want to have the scales to show my. Bring stuff <laughs> I have in. To have a new toy at my office. Now I'm gonna right. be on Amazon when I get home. I have to have the scale. I have to have the scale. <laughs> or next week you'll bring in some of your stuff. You yeah. Have to bring in your hoodie. 
Yeah, I did bring Dr. Hootie a couple times. Actually, I may have Dr. Hootie in my bag. You'll have to explain to the audience who Dr. Hootie is now. So Dr. Hootie came about because, so my maiden last name is Huth, but in German it's pronounced Hoot. Hoot. So um, I don't really know whether it was like my uncles and my cousins. Somehow the whole thing came about that everyone would say, how you doing, Hootie? And I guess it went back to like when my grandparents were even still alive. And my cousin Freddie's daughter, Tori, brought this little beanie baby Hootie over to my dad. And somehow when my father passed away, I think I ended up with it and then it got lost. And I I had to go on to um, eBay to find a replacement. And I decided that Dr. Hootie should be the office mascot. So like (laughs) Alex, the girl who is my office manager, knitted a lavender scarf. There's a yellow dress for when it's endometriosis awareness month. She made a mask for Dr. Hootie. And I just, you know, like sometimes bring Dr. Hootie places and I'll take pictures and then share them on Instagram. So use, kind of use it to tell some stories. Yeah, Dr. Hootie definitely (laughs) needs some, some, um, TikTok videos. Yeah, right? I'm going to have to get on that. Yeah. Yeah, some short shorts. So. um, We have a top fan question here. Okay. From Chinese medical nutrition perspective on how to support the body post-COVID infection, are there foods you should stay away from or eat more of? All right. Do you want to take that? Uh, we can both take that, I yeah, think. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, I have. I say continue with the vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. I recently, a colleague shared that um, to help with the loss of t- uh, taste and smell, to use vitamin A drops in the nose. Okay. Um, I, I think that <clears throat> if there's any lingering, like, phlegmy kind of feeling, mm-hmm herbs that Mm -hmm, move phlegm, mm -hmm. staying away from things like bananas that generate phlegm, Um, staying away from sugar. We always come back to the sugar thing because your body is trying to heal from all of that. Um, Doing breathing exercises. Right, strengthen the lungs. Yeah. Uh, So COVID is a damp disease. Right. right? Uh, The Chinese call it a damp plague. Yeah. Um, which makes sense for us, for our followers. The reason is it's this accumulation of mucus and dampness right. in the body. We call it dampness, but it's um, phlegm, mucus, excess fluid. It, it makes perfect sense how that can damage the lungs. Right. right? So why, it, why lung not, is so, the receptacle of phlegm. Like right, right. the spleen so, generates it and the lung mm-hmm. just accumulates it. Right, and that's why we have digestive problems because now the spleen is involved, which is really right. the spleen and pancreas, which is responsible for the di- digestion. Right. So that's why sugar is such a bad thing because it sh- creates a lot of excess that's mucus fun. in the body. And I have a little um, chart here, a little list of foods that are really good for this. Right. And I'm going to say them, and you're going to throw in some words about why. Okay. Right. Like garlic is anti. It's antiviral. Right. Anti. Yeah. Fungal. Right, it was actually used in World War One for all the amputations that were, were taking place see, from these crazy that. weapons that they had that were blowing bone, uh, arms off, right? Okay. Or damaging the where they had to amputate, right? And otherwise, they would get gangrene. They used garlic. Okay. And they were able to survive. 
yeah, little fun fact there. And sad, sad and horrible. Yes. And onions, very similar. Right. right. Um, let's see. Green vegetables, loaded with nutrients and also astringents the body. Yeah. Right? Kumquats are great for reducing mucus in the body. Pineapple, oranges, citrus fruits, really. Limes, lemons, grapefruit, yeah. asparagus, ginger. Right? Oh, that also brings heat into the body to help break down that, right. that heavy it's mucus. Right, it's moving. And cauliflower. Should we talk about the things to stay away from? Yeah. <laughs> sugar. sugar. Well, I'm going to, everyone I list, you're going to say there's sugar in it, is syrups, jams right. and jellies, corn, cottage cheese, ice cream, milk. So the milks and stuff, that's right. dairy, it's phlegm. It's, we it's consider all that very, very, very mucus-producing in the body. Right. Butter, potato chips, even ghee, uh, deep-fried foods, soy, cakes, anything baked, really, baked bread, yeah. cereals, uh, ice cream, pies, pretzels, safflower and sunflower oils, cookies. Lots and lots of sugar. Right? Yeah. It's funny because people don't think of, like, bread as being sugar. And it is anything that pretzels and bread, anything that you put in your mouth that just kind of like mm -hmm. dissolves, right. it Pro tends to be more sugar. Food that's been processed, food right. that's been pre-digested, so it very right. quickly turns into sugar. So that's not good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what else you got? So, um, one of the questions that a lot of our colleagues and I agree. Um, hear from people is, do you have to believe in acupuncture for it to work? And one of our colleagues, Pamela Howard, said she um, she said, you know, like people are like, oh, you know, is it a believe in it thing for it to work? Ah, very good question. Is it just a placebo? And she said she has two responses when people ask her about this. She said, think about <clears throat> veterinary acupuncture, especially mm -hmm. like horses. Olymp the Olympic equestrian team uses it. There's a lot of horse farms out mm -hmm. by where mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people, when they come to see me, will say that their horses have had acupuncture first. Yeah. So yeah. horses are not going to, right. horse isn't going, oh, I believe that, you know, when this person <laughs> sticks a <laughs> needle in She me. seems like a nice person. I'm right. sure I feel better now. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, anyone who owns a dog, a cat, or a horse who's had acupuncture, veterinary acupuncture on their animal will tell you that, right. that uh, it worked right. either fantastically or maybe it was a little too late. You know, we, we all right. know about the, the dogs, um, uh, the retrievers with dysplasia. Right. Um, I think uh, bulldogs have a lot of um, pelvic yeah. problems, orthopedic problems. And uh, anybody who's had it done will tell you that yeah. it, uh, it's worked. And they've done studies on pigs and they've shown a reduction of, um, I forget what it is in the body, you know, pain right. hormones. Uh, so you can't really trick a pig into right. thinking that he's feeling better when you're measuring uh, hormonal levels in the body. Right. And then the other thing she said is that, um, and I feel like almost every acupuncturist will say this, when people come to you, they've tried everything mm -hmm. else. <laughs> and that then this is what works. And, you know, if... If it was a placebo, I mean, when you've tried other things, you're trying them because you believe that they're going to work. So why would it be a placebo effect that now this is the thing that actually works? Um, and I feel like it's the, yeah, I feel the same way. It's, or I think a lot of times we hear colleagues, and I've heard this too, where people will go, 
Yeah, it must be like something completely different, unrelated. And you're like, no, it couldn't be the fact that you were coming for acupuncture for the last month. It has nothing to do with whatever's getting <laughs> So there's a lot of, I feel like we don't get credit for the work that we do a lot of times. Yeah, it's, it's a little hard for people to get their head around it when it's so foreign. Right. The, 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 or how could just so few needles work? Mm -hmm. You know. Right. right. Well, it's a, a matter of, to me, um, familiarization. Right. Is everyone I know takes Advil or Aleve or Tylenol, so I'll just take it. Right. And I'll never question what it does or what's in it. But right. if you hand me this strange bottle, I've never seen this before. What could it right. possibly do? Right. What's right. in it is the first question they yeah. ask you. And you say, well, it's Chinese herbs, isn't it? Right. You know, and that's a mental block for them. Right. So we have another question. Supplements that are best to help regulate blood sugar. Uh, a lot of people take uh, Gemna Sylvestra. Mm -hmm. um, we should write that into the... Yeah, I'll put I'll, I'll put it in the comments okay. because I... Yeah, John, I know John. John is not an acupuncturist. So okay, yeah. Um, he's got a, you know... Uh, yeah, may sometimes. Not have heard of that before. Yeah, sometimes I for, I it, think it depends on the pattern. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. for some people, is it that they've been eating too many bad foods and they haven't been exercising? It really varies from person to person, but supplement wise, that's one yeah. of the ones. What if it's uh, that hereditary blood sugar? Like is not it? type one, type two, mm, and right. they're thin. And mm. I, I think that sometimes you can do everything right, and yeah. you're still going to have to be on a Western med. I feel like insulin is the one, or yeah. like blood sugar issues are always the one that I go back to, that if you have tried diet and exercise and all these other things, and it's a hereditary component, you may still need to be on a, yeah. on a Western medication to manage that. Um, Sometimes things will change with acupuncture and you won't need as strong a dose. I've seen that happen with people. Mm -hmm. Or they'll need it periodically and then not need it periodically. Right. So I think it just depends. Um, do we have any other questions on there or should I go to the next? Um, you can go to the next one. Okay. So the, the common question that we all get is the, how often do I have to come in? And... Again, that really depends on what somebody has going on. Mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. if somebody has had, let's let's throw lower back pain because I feel like that's something that we all as acupuncturists commonly treat. Sure. And you've had a car accident when you were 18 and you're in your 40s and you're still having lower back pain. I feel like at the onset, I want to see that person twice a week because I feel like if they wait a whole week to come in again, they're probably in reality only going to feel relief for like the first day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then when it comes back they're going to go but i only felt relief for 24 hours and i try and explain that yeah. like when i put the needles in my needles are telling your body this is what normal is supposed to feel like and someone has a pain pattern and that their body goes no but i like that pattern and i want to well, stay with it some studies have shown that what happens is the nerve pathway doesn't know any other signal but to send right. the pain pathway right we're really reconditioning it. Exactly. It. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's one of those things. And and eventually, I find a lot of people, once that pain is gone, they just feel so good with the acupuncture that yeah. some of them may just do maintenance once a month just because, sure. you know, that relaxation. Mm -hmm. I, I particularly see that with moms, that they're like, this is my 30 minutes of peace and quiet. And I'm mm -hmm. like, 
that's fine with me. Yeah. You know, like they they feel like their stress levels lower and it's not. Sure. Well, it's changing everything, right? Right. You know, again, it's it's the scale, right? It's right. having that much pain in your body is keeping you from enjoying your life. Right. Right. And that's what I try and explain to them is yeah. we're, we're, we're actually creating like a drain of right. valve where we just open it up and every day it yes. hurts. You know, and you know, I'm sure you know the. A lot of people have heard this, this idea among f people with fibromyalgia of, I have only so many spoons in a day, yes. right? So you have your three spoons, or maybe you have two spoons, and that's right. it. And and taking a shower is a, is a spoon, or maybe right. two spoons, and that's it for the day. Yes. Right? So uh, some people, I'll make them come in three days a week. Right. Well, and that's one of the things that I forget who brought this up recently, that if you were in China being treated you might be getting treated five days a week. More and than once a day. Yes, more than once a day. And that we're trying to explain to people, hey, we want you to come two, three times a week. And they're like, oh my goodness. But that's how they get a pattern under control faster right. the, with the repetition. Because if somebody is telling me that their pain is a 10, mm -hmm. Yeah, probably twice a day is a yeah. lot. Better. And there are people in the U.S. that, that I know who will treat uh, do a 10-day course. Right. You know, you're going to come. You're coming in once a day for 10 days, and then we'll reevaluate. Right. Because we really can't make any assessment because we have to peel away all this stuff that's been there for, right. like you're saying, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Right. So now we have a better picture. Okay, right. we've, we've got no results in 10 days of treatment. Okay, we've got a problem here. Right. What else is going on exactly. know, that, we, that hasn't been discussed so far? You know, or, or look, your body is now be able to do this where you weren't before. Now we have proof that it can function at that level. Right. And then we move forward from there. Maybe right. we start breaking it down, maybe we do another 10 days, and we see where we are. Right. I feel like there's some patterns, like with gynecological stuff, I feel like it can take three to six months just to regulate that. So, you know, I try and tell patients, you may need to be looking at a year, not that you're gonna come three times a week for a year, but in the beginning, you need two to three times a week. If it's something severe, like with me, with endometriosis, where you're gonna need ongoing care, there is no cure for endo. This, for me, has always been the best relief, doing the acupuncture and the herbs. And if I slip off that course, I'm miserable. So I feel like with something like that, it's a, it's a lifetime commitment for me to my acupuncture and herbs. Right. Otherwise right. I can't function. Right. So it really does vary, you know. And that's where I find the herbs really help so well because they're taking them every day. Right. And they can go about their life and not have to be at your office. Right. One, one hour or so right. every day or two or three times a week, whatever, whatever yeah. it happens to be. And it's going to be, it's going to be a lower cost. They're not going to pay as much right. for an acupuncture visit as they're paying for the herbs, you know, and it's going to help them. It's going to change their body chemistry. Right. Which Again, is so it's important when it comes to gynecological issues. Right. Absolutely. Um, the, the question that I feel like is the, the bane of my existence <laughs> is, is acupuncture covered by my insurance. So when I first finished acupuncture school, um, I took an insurance billing class and I remember that the instructor had said, now this is going back more than 10 years ago now, only 1% of insurance companies nationwide cover insurance. We only have up to go from here. And I swear <laughs> that's not the case in New Jersey. We have gone, yeah. we have plummeted down. 
there's a huge disrespect for what we do. There's there's not enough understanding of of how our medicine works. So they're looking at things like somebody may need 20 visits for something just to get it under control and then maintenance after that. And an insurance company is like 20 visits. Well, if you went to a pain management, they'd give you drugs and it's only one visit. Right. Whereas we might be getting somebody to avoid major surgery. They may not need a knee replacement right away. They may not need a hip replacement right away. And they're not looking at the savings or things like as a side effect of someone's back pain, I can't even count the number of people who have said, do you think that I'm not getting sick as frequently because I'm coming for acupuncture? Yes, yes I do. So it's, it's the other ways that we're healing the whole person. So um, I think that varies from practitioner to practitioner. It varies from state to state, whether the practitioner is gonna even wanna get in the game of taking insurance. Um, I'm trying to get away from it because I don't like somebody else dictating Mm -hmm. the quality of care that I wanna give to my patients. I have to ask myself, do I wanna be the Walmart of acupuncturists or do I wanna be the Tiffany's of acupuncturists and, and have, the time that I feel like I need to dedicate to complicated cases. I feel like if somebody is just coming in for stress, of course I can get them in and out in a short period of time. But like if I had somebody who had my own gynecological history who might come in sobbing, I don't wanna have to tell them, you know, you need to shut up and get on the table so I can put my needles in. Like that's not how I wanna practice. So, um. So yeah, like that's we all get asked that question, and and it varies from policy to policy. I try to explain to people that they're really making an investment in their health, right? And this is the only body you get, right? So it's worth starting to put into your budget, right? How much do you want to spend a month taking care of yourself? Because if you look at any other insurance, right, your homeowner's insurance doesn't pay you to put in weather stripping. It doesn't pay, right? You know, you don't. Your auto insurance doesn't buy you windshield wipers every year, right. even though it's a great idea to have fresh windshield wipers every year. Right. You know, it doesn't do those things. Or so to why change the oil your, in your so car. So why should your health insurance pay for wellness right. visits or preventative maintenance? Right. This is an insurance against a problem. Right. There should be a different bucket for that where you're investing right. and taking care of yourself. And if you do it up front, right. it's going to be a lot cheaper than it is if you have to pay right. later. Yeah, right? it goes back you to know. that, I hate to do the cliche of like right. memes that are out there, but if you don't take time for right. your wellness, you will be forced. And and it is a lot harder when somebody comes in and it is a major problem right. to right. then get it under control versus right. somebody who comes in regularly. Like I can't tell you the number of times I've had phone calls where I have a, a booked schedule and somebody's like, well, I have an emergency today. And I'm like, right. I don't have 15 minutes to evaluate what you have going on. But if you came to me last month just to check out what I did, yeah, I could get you in. But mm-hmm. I can't rush. And I don't rush through my intakes. So mm-hmm. I feel like I have to have the time that I need. I like to go with the adage of it's, it's you know, you don't wait until you're thirsty to dig a, to dig a well. Right. right. So do it now. Right. You know, I don't know how many of times my patients have said you were the last thing I came to and I kicked myself wishing it was the first because right. none of those other things worked right. I didn't get the satisfaction or you know, it didn't make any sense it wasn't you know it was no right. it wasn't working they didn't understand the problem so they couldn't really 
solve the problem. Right. And we solved the problem right from the beginning. Right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of acupuncturists say that exact same thing. I feel like we've all seen that in our practice. Um, Before I go on to the other questions. How long is a session? Oh, yes. How long is a session? Um, So my... My initial one is, is I set aside two hours, but I usually figure on 90 minutes. Um, that's the intake and needling time. And then my follow-ups are anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. What about you? About the same. Yeah. Some practitioners, it's less. Yep. I mean, sure. it just, it again, I feel like I try and give the care that I want, and I want 30 minutes on the table. <laughs> I, think, I think you need 30 minutes on the table. I used to fill in for a chiropractor a long, long time ago, and it was a 15-minute acupuncture session, and I thought, wow. I think it takes strange. me 15 minutes, 10 yeah. to 15 to get, like, yeah. to chat and get the needles in. Mm. I feel like yeah. that, yeah, that to me is not. And I mean... I'm sure there is still some benefit that you yeah. get from so, having them in for 15 minutes, yeah. but is it the same as when you have them in for 30? Right. So I think the overriding message there is every acupuncturist is different. You right. know, I'm looking at the comments over here, and, and Kathy Casey's on, and Stacy is, is talking, and um, Annalisa, and so many other of our colleagues, and I know we're not the same. Right. And I wouldn't want us to be the same. Right. right? Because we're providing individualized care. Right. For every person that we that comes to see us, because right. everybody has just a little difference. Um, when it comes to back pain, it, you know, eighty percent of the time it's the same thing. But they each come with a different right. set of needs and wants and expectations, right. and we can manage that. And that I believe is what's lost in medicine today in the United States. Right. Is everybody fits into the same path? You know, you're in that same little lane treated the same way right and if it doesn't work out oh well right we don't know what to do with you and it's really unfortunate but even like take back pain like okay so let's say and and i will say when someone is face down for a treatment i don't do 30 minutes mostly because i don't like being face down for more than 25 minutes did you know when you're face down your body actually goes into a sympathetic response that makes sense yeah and I just feel like I can't realize. breathe. And I can hear it already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just talking about it is most people who are face down, they wind up, you know, oh, they need to blow their nose or right. they're starting to feel a little stuffy. That's a sympathetic reaction, right? So we don't want them that way. We don't want them uncomfortable. Right. We want them to walk out feeling good. Right. So I don't necessarily do the same thing on everyone. Like mm-hmm. patient A might get cupping for their low back pain. Patient right. B might get needles and gua sha. Right. Um, I still keep my hot stones from when I did last stone massage. Sometimes I'll do a little bit of heated stone massage if I feel like I want to relax the muscles. So every, you know, it's going to be different even for that. Um, sometimes I've had patients who come in and do a back and a front treatment in the same visit. So that then they're in the office for at least an hour and a half. It, it Yeah, timing is, yeah. is definitely different. Yeah. It's individualized care. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of the message that is really important for people to understand is it's not cookie cutter. Right. Right. You're getting individualized care. Right. And you're taking care of yourself. You're really investing in your, in your body, in your future. And the great thing is like you're saying is we're treating your back pain, but at the same time we're boosting your immune system. We're lowering your, your um, hormonal levels of stress. You know, uh, people are sleeping better. They're, They're not getting sick as much. You know, I, 
we haven't really talked about it, but over the holiday break, I got COVID. Right. And I think because I've been taking care of myself against this since March, really. Right. Uh, it wasn't horrible. Right. I, I didn't have to go to the hospital. Um, you know, there's some days where I tip the scale here. Right. You know, I, I have a good time with my life. And right. I, I take care but of myself, but that, I also right. uh, indulge. And be, because of the herbs I've been taking and the, the um, vitamins and supplements. Right. Staying on top of all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, given that the last time that we had a podcast, you were in the studio and I couldn't because Andrew had had COVID and I wasn't sure whether I was exposed or not. And I didn't want to take the chance and come in. You wouldn't even like to look at you even think that you had been sick in the time, you know, that we had that break. I wasn't sick until after that. No, I know it was after that. But that's what I'm saying. Like that makes it an even shorter period of time Mm, that when you, you know, and I do feel like all of our colleagues have shared really fantastic protocols about what herbs to take preventatively, what herbs to take if you mm-hmm. come down with mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. what supplements you should be taking preventatively, what supplements to take if you come down with it. And I feel like that, you know, even I sent Andrew to Tennessee with herbs to take, mm-hmm. and he had been taking some of them during that time because he had a sinus infection prior. So I definitely feel like you know, those are things to take into consideration that those formulas are there to help keep you healthy. Um, It's an investment. Yeah. So another question that we get a lot is, why aren't you putting needles in the areas that hurt? Because they hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it is directly in that area and sometimes it's not. Again, it's... um, you know, somebody may have shoulder pain, but you may do points that are distal. And then we have those referral things right. that like the shoulder is the equivalent of the hip, the knee and the elbow are considered the same. So maybe you'll needle the knee to affect the elbow because mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. are um, reflex points, so to speak. Right. So, and it, you know, some practitioners, we all have the same similar foundational training, but then we branch out into different you know, CEUs, continuing education classes, and some things resonate more in terms of treatment plans and and what you do. And, you know, looking at, you know, different points that treat it different ways. So sometimes, yes, there are points directly in it, but sometimes because it is so painful, you can't even get a needle into that area where the person could lay down with it. Right, right. There's a very famous acupuncturist who's passed away now. His name is Dr. Tan. And he would say... um, uh, they would say, well, um, well, you know, no pain, no gain, right? And he would say, no, no, no pain, no pain, right? <laughs> right. It's like, I'm going to put them where they don't hurt to right. make that pain go away. Now you're not in any pain. Right, you know? exactly. And that was part of the, what you're saying is treat the, say, the knee to treat the elbow, treat the right. shoulder to treat the hip or something like that. You know? And it's actually also channel-wise, they're connected. Right. So we're treating points on the channel, but further away. Or sometimes it's you know. its sister channel. Like, Again, you know, yep. there's all the, all the paired or, yeah, yeah, there's, there's so many different many, ways many you can approach it. connections, right. Yeah. And the original um, documents written 3,000 years ago on acupuncture say the furthest points away have the strongest action. Right, right. So there it is. You know, this has been written and practiced for thousands of years. Right. And then the other question um, kind of referring back to that, why do some points hurt and others do not? And I've heard so many different things on this. 
it could be the needle itself because I could put a whole bunch in and then someone will go, well, why does that one hurt? I don't know if it's because there's an excess in that point. Sometimes it does feel like there's, you know, it's a little harder to get the needle in. There's a lot of different reasons I yeah. feel like it yeah. can hurt. And, you know, sometimes it's that that point is more sensitive. It just varies. I usually find that there's an issue on the channel, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's channel related or it's point related and channel related at the same right. time because the point is on the channel. Right. Right. And typically the person's eyes will just pop. Yeah. Right? They'll say, and they, you, you they know, feel like you zinged say, them. I've had this headache on the side of my head and I'll go down to their foot and I'll put some pressure on certain spots. Right. And uh, they'll say, wow, why does that hurt? I said, because if I'm treating, I'm going to go treating your, uh, right. your headache or other obvious ones that we don't need to describe right now. But same thing, right? right. Women, women in their cycles, you know exactly where you're going to palpate and right. you're going to find super tenderness. And, and they're always going to be a little bit more sensitive at right. that time. Right. I had, and then you can educate them on that and send them home maybe with some, some stick moxa or something right. like that. Or massage it themselves or magnets, whatever, magnets. Um, you know. I had, um, I, this has gone back a few years ago, the, the brand of needles that I used kept having duds. And the way I found what's, out was what's I, a dud needle. They were like sharper. They weren't as fine. It was the the particular manufacturer had, I guess, a bad batch, and it was every single <laughs> point that I was putting in every single patient. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, this cannot be me because I tend to be a less aggressive needler. My feeling is as if I can make a change. Without it hurting, why do I have to make it hurt? Like, that's just always, and it was like every single point sure. I was putting in, and I switched boxes, <laughs> and it was it was the actual needles. It wasn't me, so. Hmm. Um, While we're on that topic, I just want to point out to patients that, or prospective patients, is every needle is single use. They, they, come, oh, yes. they come sterilized. We use them once, they go in a sharps container, <clears throat> never use them again. Right. Um, there's no need for us to reuse them. They, right. They're mass produced, the way they're made now, and they're yeah. to totally... Um, disposable. Disposable. They go into a sharps sterile. container. Uh, yeah, sterile, yeah. single use. They yeah. go into a sharps container. Yeah. That was one of the other questions that Pamela Howard said that she okay, gets a great. lot of patients sure. asking about needle safety, especially that we don't reuse them ever. Um, she said she's not sure if that comes from the fact that people realize that we're not as she put it in in quotes in regular health care <laughs> and it's like no we have standards we have a licensing board that we have to right, answer right. to there you know right. we we're taught the right thing and I, I always tell people that you know like the whole the concept of autoclaving and i feel like that was actually questioned on the state exam sure, yeah and I thought, I am too damn lazy <laughs> to ever sit there. Because I think you have to like wash first and then autoclave and then check right. something. And I'm like, right. and right. they're so, our needles are so fine. I'm like, would they even last that process right. anyway? Well, that's, one, that's another problem with autoclaving with needles is, first of all, they get dull from use. Right which is a story unto itself, and then right. they get brittle. And right. that's where you can have a handle break off. Right. So this I'm is like, another benefit of single-use needles is, right. you know, they, you know, have you ever had a, a needle break? Nope. In how many years? No, um, I finished school you know, in... Uh, tens of thousands of needles. Yeah. 
yeah. tens and tens of thousands of needles and right. never have a problem like that. She also said she gets people who ask if they could keep their needles or take them home. We don't let people take them home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least I don't. Um, right, right. I don't want to be responsible for <laughs> They go in the sharps container. That's the end of it. That's right. Yeah. Um, not much left to them at that point. Right. <laughs> Any other... I did have someone ask for gold needles. She wanted to be treated by gold oh, needles only. So I had a patient, this was a patient that I ended up firing because it was just not a good fit, um, who basically had to have the gold needles because she claimed mm. that the other needles gave her an allergic reaction. Right. I was like, okay. She was very, very high maintenance and it was just too much for me. Mm -hmm. there, I thought I saw another question, but now I don't see it. Past John Cipollini's. Oh, it was, I think, melodrama um, asked. Annal Annalisa, maybe? I was asking about uh, high blood pressure, maybe, or, blo or um, blood sugar. Oh, the yes, the uh, asked about blood, other than red yeast rice. Um, red yeast rice is my red yeast rice is my go-to that I tell people if they don't want to. Um, but I don't know other than that in terms of lowering blood pressure. I mean, definitely checking to make sure that the person is well hydrated. Um, but yeah, I, I usually do the the red yeast rice. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And melodrama, and I'm sure this question is to bust my chops. How do you keep your skin moist in the winter? Uh, I have baby butt soft skin by using tons and tons That's of moisturizer. Right. I steal right. the I steal the skin off of baby's bottoms. <laughs> That's how my skin let's, is so soft. Let's, let's not go there. <laughs> um, staying hydrated, especially in the winter, is drying. Yes. It's a you know. Well, we when have, the temperature drops, the relative humidity of the air drops, and right? We want, and we get dry skin. Yeah. Right? And then we and take hot showers, which further makes, makes our skin it drier. Dry. Yeah. You know, so limiting the time in the shower, not overheating, those kind of things. Yeah, people forget about that. The fact yeah. that uh, even on the East Coast where it tends to be very damp, it's very dry. I yeah. can't imagine what it's like out in Colorado and Wyoming where right. Stacey Donaldson is where it's yeah. you know, super, super dry. Five percent humidity in the air and yeah. zero degrees or below. Yep. So my skin is already itching Aww. just thinking about it. People can have an, oh, Daryl <laughs> said that so people can have an allergy to nickel. Uh, sometimes sarins can be helpful. I use sarins a lot on kids only because, so sarin needles are a brand that has different colored tips. And a lot of times I'll tell the kids that they can pick, they what, pick, co the color. pick what color you want. And it, for whatever reason, <laughs> oh, I mean, you're, I mean, you're engaging them. Right? Yeah. You know, they, they like they, to do they that. Love that you know? Oh, when, back to the, how long is a session with mm -hmm. kids? I don't, yeah. I generally don't leave the needles in unless they're like one of my pros where they love it. Mm, okay. But in yeah. the beginning, sometimes you'll just insert and remove okay. when they're really little. Yeah, I would do like 10 minutes yeah. at the most. Even probably. five for some kids. Yeah. They're cheap. You can tell. And that's another fascinating thing. I don't know if this works for you, but as I was a patient, I was laying on the table and it was my acupuncturist house because he worked in Pennsylvania, so he'd treat me here at home. And uh, we'd just he would just be quiet and I'd be relaxing on the table. And all of a sudden, he'd get up and take the needles out. And I said, how do you know when you're done? So, you know. <laughs> and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, how does this work? How does this work? And I'm overthinking it. And, I, and he would get up the next time and he would pick the needles out. And then I relaxed. I forgot all about it and chilled out. And all of a sudden, the air in the room changed. 
and he got up and he pulled the needles out. He goes, yeah. See? And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. That's and one now of the things that one of my I, friends I says. I can be in the other room because I leave my patients alone. I close the door and I leave them, give them yeah, quiet time. Yeah, I do too. And I just know. I get up and I say, they, and they, they'll tell me, I was just thinking I was done. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's a certain amount of energy that needs to move. Right. You know, and it's around the same time for most people. I've unless had that they're really when I forget to... sick or really old or frail or something yeah. like that. You know? I've had that happen when I forget to set a timer. And I'll just be like, right. it's, time. it's time. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to set a timer. But, I, you know, it just, you know that it's time. Yeah. Um, so I think we went through most of the questions. Um I just wanted to thank everybody who was watching and listening yes, today. You. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year. Um, and just to remind you, now we're going to go to an every week format. So 7 o'clock Monday still, but every week. Um, next Monday. Caesar's a- back in town. <laughs> next Monday is, and I'm not going to say the F word. It's going to be WTF is a doula. Um, one of to, my I'm going to make that the, the mission of the year. How soon <laughs> into, into the year? And your goal is to try and last as long into the year. Yep. That's, gonna, that's what's going to happen. Now, now, we've, now that we've done eight podcasts, I think it's I time to let it slide. Push, push, you, push your button a little bit. Push poke, to the limit. Poke the bear a little bit. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> so Carrie, Carrie Burke, um, who was one of my massage school students, is now a doula. Her name's not Debbie Doula? No, it's not Debbie Doula. <laughs> I'm trying to think, do we know any doulas that are Debbie? I feel like I must. I don't know. Um, but she's going to talk to us about why people, why our patients and people in general would want to have a doula present at their birth um, and explain all about what that is. We do not have topics yet for the 25th. February 1st, and then on February 8th, though, your colleague Clayton Shu has agreed to come on and talk to us, so I'm super excited about that. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. So, um, and now we already have one more question for the next time we do a Q&A. That's right. right. um, Thank you, Ming, for the use of your studio. Thanks. Like you said, we have some... uh, we haven't decided what we're going to talk about. Feel free, oh, yeah, anybody, if you, if you want to uh, give us a topic. We Chime may, in. We might ignore it, yeah. but, but we may, <laughs> may take it. <laughs> we have a list of some ideas, but we're always Oh, we have to... a very long list of yes. ideas. We just haven't put them in. But if you have some in, anything of interest you want to bring in, yeah. we would love to have that. So we can just either right. pick out of a hat or right. or right. you guys can right. decide. But we, we want right. to see what, you know, if right. it's patients, you know, colleagues, and they right. have patients who have questions. And exactly. There's so much <clears> that we can cover. And, and like we've said, the, the podcast is is about everything from acupuncture to Zen living, right? right? So we're doing a lot of acupuncture Chinese medicine. Right. right? And, and next week is going to be a nice little offshoot Segway, of that. Yes. And, 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 but Clayton's going to bring us back into the real, you know, using acupuncture for stroke. Right. Uh, and, ex- you know, explaining his experiences in China and so on and so forth. But yeah. it'd be great to get some more right. um, Adjunct modalities, modalities. Right, yep. that we can discuss, even for part of a, a, an right. hour. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ming. The contents presented during the Practical Medicine Podcast include information about various modalities that exist to achieve health and wellness and are for informational purposes only. 
You acknowledge and agree that the following disclaimers and warnings shall apply to all content presented. The podcast contains the opinions of Dr. Robert Balco, D-A-C-L-A-C, and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki, D-A-C-M-L-A-C, and the guests of their show. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding any medical condition. The views expressed in the Practical Medicine Podcast are our own and do not represent those of all licensed acupuncture professionals. Always seek the help of your own acupuncturist or medical provider to determine your best course of action. You may want to use the information presented as a supplement to better understand your diagnosis or treatment, but it should not be the sole thing that you use to make important medical decisions. Do not use the content of the podcast in lieu of medical advice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking care because of something you have heard on this podcast. Privacy is important to us. Thus, all people, places, and scenarios have been changed where applicable to protect privacy and maintain confidentiality.